thank you. We praise you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. If you would, uh, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, I'm going to ask you to open your Bibles to the Gospel of Matthew. We have been in a study in the Gospel of Matthew for about six months on the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to pull a couple of verses out of that Sermon on the Mount this morning. In the sixth chapter, I'm going to ask that you read this chapter in its entirety. But for the sake of time, we're going to just read verse number 24. Say amen when you have it. Amen. All right. Matthew, the sixth chapter, verse number 24, it says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. <clears throat> this message is going to be the start of a series that I'm going to be doing on making good decisions. If we begin to evaluate our lives and look back at our lives, most of our problems that we had in these lives have come as a result of making bad decisions. Oftentimes, we don't want to admit that because we live in a generation that we'd rather blame someone else than to take accountability for the decisions that we make. If you're in a bad marriage, that's a decision that you made. That's the reality of it. It's hard, it's difficult, but the reality of it is, is that we all make bad decisions. And there are some decisions that will cost you more than other decisions. The consequences sometimes of the decisions that we make are more harsh than the ones that we make that are not so harsh. But you need to understand that whatever decision you make as a Christian needs to be filtered through the word of God. And so I'm starting this series, and hopefully it'll help and bless all of us when it comes to making decisions. But this one here I wanted to title for today's sermon, Trying to Love Too Ain't Easy to Do. Trying to Love Too Ain't Easy to Do. In 1977, an artist by the name of William Bell came out with a song. And by his own admission, he confesses to being a three-way love triangle. And he puts it like this. He says, trying to love too ain't easy to do. When you're trying to love too, it sure ain't easy to do. Here's this dilemma. He said, I got a woman at home that's sweet as can be, a woman on the outside that's crazy about me. 
He says, I'm caught up in the middle of a three-way love affair. Caught up in this triangle. I can't go nowhere. Now understand that that's, that was his decision. And he sees that it is a problem. It is a dilemma in which he's facing. But understand that all of us are caught in the same type of triangle. And it's between God and the things of this world. You see, because most times we want the benefits and the blessings of being a Christian. But we still want to hold on to the world as well. And God is a jealous God. He will not share your affections with no one else and nothing else. So trying to love too ain't easy to do. Understand that Jesus writes this text here. And what he's giving is he's explaining of what a Christian character and Christian citizenship looks like. He covers multiple areas of discussion in this, in this Sermon on the Mount. And all throughout this text, the readers are forced to make decisions. He starts it off with the Beatitudes. And you got a choice whether you want to be blessed or you don't want to be blessed. Because Jesus gives the criteria of what a blessed person looks like. And when we really get down to the crust of it, is that, that what he's saying is that if you really want to be blessed, humble yourself before the, God, the Lord. Yes. He starts it off with, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. That means that we must empty ourselves. And this is beginning the, the, the beginning discussion of our text right here. Because there's many other subjects that he, he deals with in this Sermon on the Mount that requires us to make a decision, to not straddle the fence, to not have one foot in the church or in Christ, because a lot of people got one foot in church. But having one foot in Christ, but yet still wanting to hold on and have another foot in the world, it forces us to make a decision. Because no one, not one of us can be faithful to two masters. It, it, it doesn't matter. You can do all you want to in the house of God. But if your heart is not with the Lord, if your affection is not with the Lord, then you're really not doing anything. Because God wants your total commitment to him. That's what he desires. And just like William Bell, you'll find yourself frustrated. If, you're, if you've really been born again, you'll find yourself frustrated because you're really not sold out to God. You're just merely dating him. And God wants a full commitment, a full relationship. He opens up this chapter telling us about how we're to do and bless other people. That, 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 that's, the, that's the beginning of Christianity. 
is because we have been so blessed. We should have a desire to bless other people without folk knowing about it. This is all Jesus' attempt to get us away from the covetousness and the coveting spirit that we have. Because all of us were born with that same spirit. And the reality of it is that we make our decisions based upon that covetous spirit that we have. We become selfish. We, we, we don't, we don't want to share with anybody. We throw out little trinkets to people, but we don't, wanna, we don't really want to sacrifice for anybody. And when we look at what God has done for us, just think about what God did for you and where God brought you from. Every now and again, you need to, you need to reevaluate your life. You, you, you need to look back and see the mess that God brought you out of. You need to look at the fact that there was time you didn't know how your bills were going to get paid, but God made a way. You went to the doctors and he said, there's nothing we can do, but God healed you. So if God did this for us, and the reality of the matter is that he keeps on blessing. It's not, it's not like God has stopped blessing us. Even in our mess sometimes, God still blesses us. And I know, without a shadow of a doubt, there's some blessings that God gave me that I know I didn't deserve. Because God already knows what I stand in need of. He knows what I need. Even before it even comes to my mind of something that I need, God has already prepared it for me. And what he asks in return is our faithfulness to him. But here we are. We, we're stuck between a God, a holy and a righteous God that has been blessing us all of our lives and our own selfish desires to get what we want, when we want, how we want. And so we're caught between this, in this valley of indecision. Understand this, that, that, that even if you will not make a decision, you've already made a decision. In other words, you don't have to make a decision in order to make the decision when it comes to God. Because Jesus said that if you're not for me, you're against me. And you need to understand that. If you will not step up and stand out and say, God, I'm for you. Whatever it is you want out of my life, you take what you will. Do with my life what you will, God. Move in my life that I might be a blessing to you, that I might bring glory unto your name. Because that's what I really endeavor to do. It's to bring glory to his name. And you bring glory to his name by letting your light shine. Because all of us have been called the light of the world. Jesus tells us that in the fifth chapter, that we are the light of the world. And he tells us that we're to let our good works shine. That men might see our good works and glorify our father which is in heaven. Yeah. 
So you got to be willing to let your light shine. You got to be willing to be transparent. And what that means is that you, we need to stop being hypocritical. Because all of us come in here on church and all of us look like Christians. But what do we look like when we leave out of here? Where's our Christian ethics at outside of here? Are, are, Are we really still chasing behind the dollars and the things that money can buy? Are we still living sinful lives outside of here? I mean, all of us are going to sin. Don't get me wrong. But you should not be defined by your sins. You see, because I was defined by my sins prior to Christ Jesus. I was a sinner lost and on my way to hell. But now I am a sinner that has been saved by the grace of God. And so therefore, God came in, he comes in, and he takes away all of the selfishness. He lets you know that, listen, that that there's more to life than what you're going to put on. It's more to life than what you're going to eat. It's more to life than getting your hair and your nails done. It's more to life than driving a nice fancy car. It's more than life than living in a mansion set on a hill. It's more than that. Because you'll never be able to take any of that with you. Uh, you know, I, 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 I was listening to a, a discussion not long ago. And the man offered another young man, he said, if I offered you a million dollars right here today, would you take it? And quite certainly, he said, yes, absolutely, I'd take it. He said, but what if I put this contingent on it? I offer you a million dollars today, but you have to die tomorrow. Would you take it? Change this whole perspective. In other words, it's not about the money that you have. It's what you value is what's important. And when you begin to value money over people, over relationships, you're valuing the wrong things. Because just as quick as it comes, it can go. Understand, we need to stop building bank accounts and start building relationships. Because that's what's really important. Some of, some, some, some of us has problems and relationships in our own home. Invest in that. Invest in your marriage. Spend some quality time with your spouse. Spend some time with your children. Build memories with them. Because understand the fact, that's about the only thing that's going to get them through when you leave here. And you, you, we're all going to leave here. There's not a one of us that's going to stay here. 
Look here, look here. This, 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 is, this is what Jesus, you know, tells him. You know, it, it really, he, he begins this whole argument in verse number 19 when he tells him, lay it not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal them. In other words, stop building up money down here on earth. Because there's going to be corruption that will come in and will corrupt that money. He, he said, don't, don't lay it up. He said, but lay your treasures up in heaven. Where moth or rust cannot break through and corrupt and to steal it. My question to you this morning is that where are you making your investment at? Where, where, where's your deposit at? I, I know, I know, I, I, I got direct deposit here on earth. But what you don't know is I have a direct deposit up in heaven as well. And it's automatically transferred up to heaven. Because I realize that this is not my home. This, this is the whole concept that Jesus has given them on the, the, the Sermon on the Mount. This home is, this is not your home. And if you're going to be a citizen of the kingdom of God, you need to start acting like it. We need to start living like we are kingdom citizens. But far too often, we live like this is our home. We hold on to this for dear life. We, 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 we're afraid to let anything go around us. We're afraid of it. Why? Because most people identify with us by the stuff that we have. I mean, really, what is Louis Vuitton really worth? What, what, what is Gucci really worth? I mean, you, you really need to ask yourself. I know y'all look, look like, oh, Pastor, you're going too far now. <laughs> but the reality of it is, what is it really worth? I mean, when we really begin to evaluate it, what is it really worth? What is, what, what is the fine card? What is it really worth? You drive it because it's a status symbol. You carry it because it's a status symbol. You buy it because it's a status symbol. It portrays a portrait of you, of, of, of something where you're really not at, really. Because the reality of it is, to tell you the truth about it, that money could be better spent elsewhere. Listen, listen, I'm not, I'm not talking about or preaching against you know, wealth or anything like that. I'm, listen, I believe that there are some wealthy Christians. And there's nothing wrong with that. But even in the wealth that you have, you need to have the proper perspective when it comes to it. The Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Money is not necessarily the root of all evil. Because let me tell you something, there, there, there's nothing better than a, than a born-again, saved, sanctified Christian that's got some money. Because he knows the proper use of money. He, he understands that, that it's not given to us to consume it upon our own lusts. It is given to us that we might be a blessing to other folk. That we might be a blessing unto God. That, that, that's, what, that's what it's really for. I'm not preaching against money. The, 
problem of this whole situation when it comes to money and our relationship to money is the prosperity gospel. Has given money a negative connotation. They're talking about God wants everybody to be rich. No, he don't. It's, it's not about being rich in this world. It's being rich in heaven. That's what it's really about. And so we have to have the right and proper perspective when it comes to money. He said, he said that, that, that no man can serve both of them. You see, because even as believers, as Christians, if you have a little bit of something that God has blessed you with, you know how to handle it like God wants you to handle it. You, you, you don't become prideful and boastful about what God has done for you. Your heart is just too grateful to get puffed up about it. When you, when, when you realize that everything you have comes from God, when you realize that, that, that there was very little that you gave to it, it all came from God, then you can keep the proper perspective. But there's nothing worse in the world than a fool with money. And if you don't believe me, just look at the NBA, the NFL. Look, look, look at some of these, these people who, who have been blinded by their riches, have been blinded by what money can give and what money can bring. No accountability whatsoever. These people feel like they can go and do and say whatever they want to and can't nobody touch them. But understand this. They'll be like the rich man and Lazarus. Thou fool, tonight thy soul shall be required of thee. And then where will your money go to? Having a right perspective when it comes to money. So, so, so we've been challenged to make the right decisions. Are you going to choose God or are you going to choose money? Because understand that the, the Bible says that where your heart is, there shall your treasure be as well. Are you trying to love God and love money? Well, the love of money leads to evil doing. The love of God leads to blessings, the blessings of God. So when you're trying to love too, it ain't easy to do. When you're trying to love too, it sure ain't easy to do. Listen, listen to the second verse of this song, because he feels like he's got this whole thing figured out. He says, I need to be three men in one to get the job done. I need a 30-hour day, two jobs with double pay. I need a man to go to work, a man to stay at home. I need a man on the outside to keep my woman strong. Trying to love, too, ain't easy to do. I'd like to change this a little bit. I know he wrote this, but I like to change it. 
Trying to love two is impossible. It is impossible for you to love God and you to love money. It can, they, they, they cannot coexist. You must love God who is the source of all of your increase. And you need to understand that, that, that God knows exactly what you need and how much you need. And I thank God that he tells us that when we pray that we're to ask for our daily bread. I, I'm not to ask for bread for tomorrow or for next week or down the line. Just give me what I need today, God. Give me my daily bread. Because that forces me to always look to God, to always trust him in every circumstance, every situation, every need. Trust him. I'm tired of trying to love too. Notice it said trying to love too. It's impossible to love God and love money. So what is your decision today? What, 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 what choice will you make when it comes to this? I mean, what, what's going to be your attitude when you leave out of here today? You say, you know, well, listen, that was a good sermon with a nice title to it, but what, how is it going to affect you? How, how, how will this help you make decisions when you leave out of here? Will we start making smarter decisions? based upon the word of God? Will we start making smarter decisions based on how the Holy Spirit moves us? Because that's the only way that you should make decisions. That you, get, you receive counsel from the word of God. That you allow the spirit to be sensitive in your life. That you'll move when he says move. Do when you say, listen, God has told you to bless some folk and you've ignored him. It's a clear indication you may have an issue with money. You've, you've, you've not prioritized it. And understand that God gave it to you. That you might be able to be a blessing. God gave it to us. We live in the richest company, country in the world. And everyone in this room is blessed. I know you are. So you're blessed to be a blessing. Decision making. There was one that loved us. Who made a decision on our behalf. He looked at us in our pitiful condition. In our sinful state. And he made a decision. To come down here. And live amongst us. He healed the sick and he raised the dead. If you don't know who I'm talking about, I'm talking about a man named Jesus. Who faced all kinds of opposition. All kinds of danger. Jesus knew what was coming, but yet he still made the decision. To go and make provisions for us. You see, because, because sin brings forth death. And he loved us so much that he did not want us to experience that death. And so he came and he died the death 
that we ultimately should have died. They nailed him to a cross. Put nails in his hands and spikes in his feet. They pierced him in his side. And understand, he did all of this for us. He gave up the ghosts. He died on that cross. He paid the ultimate sacrifice for us. They took him down. They put him in a borrowed man's tomb. And he stayed there until he got tired of being dead. And he rose on the third day with all power of heaven and earth in his hands. He gave us the ability to be able to, to choose him and put our faith in him, to trust him. And I'm glad about it. It's hard, impossible to love too. But from God's perspective, God loved everyone. He has that ability to love everyone. So what will you do? Will you commit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ? Will you give him your life? Will you, will you stand fast in the faith? Be a blessing. Put down covetousness. Stand for God. Why? Because he's coming back again. There's more good news. He's coming back again. There's going to be a time that he's going to crack the sky and he's going to shout with the voice of the archangel and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up with. Listen, I'm looking forward to that day. Because I don't have to worry about any of this mess down here anymore. And even if he comes and get me before the rapture, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. Come on, Lord. Because I know that my life is in his hands. Amen. Please stand to your feet. The door to the church is open. Amen. Is there one? Is there one? Come. Just consider what Christ has done for you.